The Southern Fried Witch. And today I just made my very first round of pickles from the cucumbers that were super late. And of course they won't stop. That's the way it goes around here. And I'm super happy with the way they're turning out. Y'all know down here in the deep south, dill does not like to grow in extraordinary heat. It just doesn't. And I did get on that a little bit earlier this year. Got tiny little patches seated everywhere so that I would have something. There's just something about fresh dill. Every year I go ahead and I buy dill seed and I get it um, in bulk because it just makes a lot more sense to me. And I have been wildly creative when I've run out of dill seed before and thrown it down in the dirt and it did grow. (laughs) Don't let them tell you it won't. If it's organic, it will So I got a two for one on that one. I think when you buy it in bulk to plant, uh, this goes for almost anything, it costs a whole lot more money. But there's an online store that sells like nuts and herbs and things. And when you buy it in bulk with them, you can get pounds and pounds for like $10. And that is what I did. Of course, I let some of mine go to seed anyway because I'd rather have the seed that came from something I grew. However, that is not always doable. And since we had such a late planting of everything, there was no way in the world I was going to have enough dill. But anyway, I had a rough garlic harvest. I've been planting in the same exact spot, and that is because of limits, not because of um, lack of education. And I pushed it too long, and all of my garlic is, well, not big at all. And uh, so I just took those, and I chopped them all up and threw those in those dill pickles, too. And I was fairly proud of that activity because everything I put in, except for the vinegar, damn it, I need an apple tree, I grew right here on the farm. So y'all what? There's magic in that. But anyway, I'm sitting around now waiting on those little ting pops that you get to hear right after you can something. And I should be grading and I should be cleaning the house. But sometimes you just got to stop everything to get what you want done. And I wanted this. There's nothing like popping some of these in the middle of winter. Nothing. So, y'all know, I went and done it anyway. And last night was the 4th. And we used to always do a very large show. We live out here in the country. There are no rules, no regulations. We can do whatever we want. And for a long time, we had little kids. Or in my head, they were little at 11 and 14. And I wanted them to be able to go to someplace that was, um, well, safe. And also not drink and drive as they got older. And so we made it happen out here, out here in the country. But the last couple of years have really bothered me. They've, they've weighed on my heart. 
and in more ways than one. I don't know who I was listening to or what I was reading, but I read something about how sometimes to celebrate a holiday that you no longer really hold as much value in as you used to, you can at least celebrate the tradition that you built for your your family, for yourself, for your children. And so the lights were still a thing. Um, But aside from worrying about my partner who has pushed the limits over and over out here on how big we can go, and I've worried very much about, well, let's just say every time we always think, how far away is the hospital? And we factor that in, make sure there's a free way to get out of our driveway. That worried me too. But the thing that finally killed it. Last night was the very last night we're ever doing it. Uh, We'd already gone and bought it all and I couldn't seem to stop the roll from a family, but um, we'd already gone and bought it all and it was a lot of money that we couldn't really afford to do and my partner was all excited about it and I wanted it to not happen. I offered multiple opportunities for this to just go away and not happen but went ahead last night, and what was funny to me was the moment I made the decision that it was indeed the last year that we were going to set off all these fireworks out here. I didn't tell everybody. I only told one or two folks, and they started dropping like flies, and it was all good reason. Someone that has always come suddenly had a, a situation they couldn't get out of, and And another friend of mine got scheduled at work and couldn't get out of it. Um, My baby son and my grandchild, they wanted very much to go to the one in town so that she could see other little kids and and see our local football mascot that was going to be there. Things like that. And it, it just ended up being one of the gals from my coven, my oldest son, and my partner and myself, and that was it. I don't know if I somehow manifested that situation where we were down to the last people standing, but I know that I never want to do it again. We have a couple of dogs here that it does upset. No matter what we do, it does upset them. And we have rabbits, and I've heard tell that they can have heart attacks from sudden loud, you know, bangs. And Uh, More than anything, because I know that I can drug my doggies. I know it's it's never happening again. And I can hope and pray those rabbits just make it like they always have. What I couldn't bear anymore was knowing that the squirrels and the vultures and okay, they're not vultures. They're Alabama buzzards and I love them and they live here. And the birds and everything living out here was going to be scared to death if it didn't actually kill them. And, um, you know, when you've got a life partner, you've got to work with them. But also, sometimes you just have to say, that's it. I can't participate in this. And this is my land, too. And so we did have a talk and he understood what I was saying. And we're not going to do it anymore. So that was the last big bang out here in the country. And change is necessary. Always necessary. We grow and we learn and we adapt to whatever our new belief systems are or how they've grown. 
And for me, that was it. That was absolutely the end. And y'all know, you know, past the way I felt about it for my kids and, you know, I wanted them to have certain things and experiences. But past that, my dad, my departed dad, loved that holiday. He loved the, the, the joy on children's faces. That's what really, really got it for him. He loved watching us light up as the sky lit up. But we're going to find another way to go. The older I get, the more I want my whole entire life to align to my paganism, which is the ground I stand on as a witch. And that's one of the things that's just going to have to go. Oh, I think we'll probably still have, you know, sparklers. (laughs) And maybe homemade ice cream. And we'll still do something really cool, but that one is over. And if they want to do it, they can do it for their own kids. I... I had a promise I made a long time ago to these woods, and I feel that I have betrayed them, and there will be no more. Now I've got to try to make some reparations, and I'm already getting to work on that. I've got a couple of really good ideas I'll get back with y'all about. I don't have any time right now to do anything new, but this fall I've got a really neat idea. So, y'all, having made pickles and moon water the other night at Coven Meat, and Read a lot of my book the other day. I'm kind of wore out, so I'm going to read a listener letter. It's been a long time. Let's do that. And this is from one of my Patreon followers and a podcast listener. Spruce says to me, (laughs) I love that name. Hello, it's Spruce again. Hope you're doing well and enjoying the warm July weather. Just listened to episode 120 with Kanani. And I thought I'd ride in and share some of the things I've learned about apartment slash dorm magic. I know how much of a struggle it can be, so maybe what I've learned can go on to help some other folks. One of my biggest gripes was a lack of private space. I'd spent weeks looking for quiet, isolated spots in nature in my city with zero success at a time when the dorm apartment situation was almost never private. And of course, everyone around here is so outdoorsy. I don't think she put here where she's from, so I don't know where that is. All of our parks are constantly full. I expressed this frustration to a Discord server, and someone shared their advice. Ask the spirits and let them guide you. This is a big witch's duh, by the way. Wow. Not only do they know all the best spots and times to visit, sometimes they can open up new doors. This applies to spaces both outside and inside the home. You know, I do that here on my land spurs. I do that all the time. I've got an entire section I'm writing in my book about this. But I haven't thought about it for someone living in an apartment or really stuck away from nature. So this is extraordinarily helpful. All right, let's see where we are here. It helped me a lot to learn some magic fundamentals and trying out whatever you can while being respectful. That's going to look a little different for every path. So try out a few different ones when you can. Once you know what clicks for you and you start to see what makes the wheels turn, you start really understanding how to apply it to any situation. Visualization, in-place meditation, and a lot of other styles just didn't click with me 
but learning about them and trying them on taught me so much. By the way, I completely agree with that. It's so important to just experience things and not be afraid of that. Really good piece of advice there, Spruce. Anyway, much of my beginner experience was just taking shots in the dark, and even the misses helped me to see a little bit better. Make the most of whatever shared or public space you do have, even if it's uncomfortable at first. I don't have a lawn or a porch, but my complex does have some shared grassy areas. It makes me a little anxious sometimes to break the social norms and hang out there. But when I take the cat out on a leash, he doesn't care that this isn't our grass. He's just happy to be outside. Not a strictly magical example, but I think the core concept applies, and I hope that makes sense. And to the end, of course... Advice from you that helped me witchify every damn thing. Folding laundry, washing dishes, cooking, playing music on your headphones. Lots of ways to bring in some magic without looking suspicious or taking up lots of space. In fact, I cannot recommend a good set of headphones enough. Too much damn noise in the city, at least for me. Hope you don't mind the long email too much. I had some ideas I just wanted to share. Thanks to you and Kanani for a lovely episode. I had so much fun listening. Best wishes, Spruce. Thank you so much for that letter, Spruce. I really do appreciate that, especially since I don't have a lot of experience in that area. There is something else I wanted to talk to you all about today, though. Recently, I saw an essay of sorts come across on the witch airwaves, and it talked about taking the witch no, that wasn't quite right, remembering the witch and the craft. And it was a bit much for me. My first response was to get very angry about it. For me, there is no Satan in the craft. That's number one and foremost. I don't buy into the system. Therefore, (laughs) there are no leftovers in my craft at all. So, no, (laughs) No one's taken the Satan out of my craft because there is none. However, I do believe that that essay did what it was intended to do because it made me think a little bit more about the craft and things we don't talk about. Things that I think we've become too politically correct to talk about. Y'all, it just seems to be ridiculous to try to factor out what we're pulling away from which bodies or adding into those bodies because at the end of the day to me these bodies have the capacity for all things they are not sanitized at least mine is not (laughs) at all Uh, they're not purified in any way or stripped down for public consumption But they are also not always anything. And what I mean by that is um, some days I'm a healer. Some days I'm a storyteller. Some days I'm a grandma. And some days I'm the one who takes out the trash. I don't really understand the deep need to categorize those sides of myself as a witch. I wonder if it's... I guess, a, um, an impulse to try to make ourselves more palatable to the gen pop. You know what I mean? Oh, we're healers and we work with nature and there's nothing to see here. You know, that kind of thing. 
But y'all, that's not altogether true, and I know y'all know better than that. If I'm a part of nature, then I'm already a part of the woods that would, indeed, take my ass out if I asked for it. <laughs> you know? Witchcraft is not all love and light to me, and it never will be. It is way more balanced than that. I've been known to do some sympathetic magic. I've also always weighed the responsibility of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I have all the lights and shadows and darkness of a woods. It's who I am. I'm a witch. And I need no entity to qualify that or back that up or give me a warrant for that. You know, a long time ago, I wrote a blog. And on that blog, it's over on my website somewhere in the attic. I talked about how the most beautiful, freeing, empowering element of the craft to me has always been that we don't require intercession. And I guess I I didn't think about other witches when I said that. I only thought about it from my own experience. But honestly, y'all, what else can we talk from? I don't feel that I need that. You know, I don't pray to an entity, a goddess, a god. I don't come on bended knee to them to handle my enemies. <laughs> I don't beg for sucker for my revenges. I, I've given up revenge, by the way. doesn't work out for me. There are other things I can do that make a lot more sense than revenge. But this to me doesn't make any sense, having to bow or kneel having to, you know, that's the really important crux for me. You know, the forceful kneeling. I don't have to do that with anything. I also understand that I don't have all the power. (laughs) You know, I work with the land and I work with the spirits of that land and I work with my ancestors and I do actually worship, which is a very difficult word to use. At least for me, it is. And I tend to keep it extraordinarily private. However, I've talked to one of my students and we're going to next time, I think it'll be next time anyway, discuss it on a podcast, what I understand as uh, the great mother. We're going to actually unpack all that for y'all. But overall, I think that if I needed intercession the way that a Christian would with a priest, then why am I wasting my time here (laughs) What really crafts the difference altogether between me and someone on their knees in a church, I don't have the same understanding of my will bent in that kind of way. More, I see myself as working with all of those energies, working to become part of that ecology, and using the path of least resistance to get a job done. If the waters are already flowing, y'all, might as well jump on. You feel me? But there is a dark side to us. There is a dark side to the path if we are whole. (laughs) And if we are working in balance with everything, of course there's a dark side. I just don't necessarily see that as a negative. If we were to talk about this in more muggle terminology... Imagine that you have been infringed upon on your land. Um, Suppose that someone encroached over those lawns and 
put something detrimental to your land on it, um, built something without permission, that sort of thing, what would we do? What would we do? Who would we go to? What would we do? Well, I'll tell y'all that some of my, for lack of a better way to put it, muggle neighbors would go one of two routes. One route would be to threaten them. And down here, let's just say that we don't have any rules about weaponry when it comes to that. The other route would be to go to city council or call the police and ask them to do something about this encroachment. Now, the first methodology, to me, makes a lot of sense. It does. It's more olden. It means, hey, I said get the hell off my land. It makes a lot of sense to me. But quite honestly, we can't get away with that very well anymore. (laughs) Um, Even here in Alabama, that could lead to something that we don't want to deal with. So the addition of the second step makes sense too, doesn't it? Going to the authorities that be. In my case, as a witch, if there is a situation I must handle, and I will say it has been many years, many wonderful, peaceful, glorious years since I've had to deal with anything like that. Um, When you construct your life in a certain way, a lot of that ends. Look into that avenue of thought. But when it has occurred, because we can't always control the actions of others, when that has occurred, I've noticed that a good melding of the two makes sense to me as a witch. No, I don't mean that I'm going to go get a firearm. I don't mean that. As a witch, there are other things I can use, other wardings, other defensive magic that I can employ. But to assure that I'm victorious, if you will, or to at least allow for a better shot at it, I will also go talk to my big mama about it. I'm going to get to that in my interview with Shannon that we're doing next week or the week after. But to me, she is the great mother goddess. And talking to the trees and talking to the land and making agreements with the land spirits here, that tends to work all kind of in the same union. They're part of the same work. There's not a lot of separation. And I don't need permission to ward anything off of me. But I do need a little bit of permission to ward things off of the land. And that's where it gets sticky, y'all. And sometimes those workings, well, they need to happen in the dark. They do. And I'm okay with that. I don't see that as good or bad. I see that as part of the natural process. You know, does that make any sense? So I don't understand any conversation about a witch who would... Okay, let's back up. This whole concept of witches are either good or evil doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe somewhere, somehow, folks are sanitizing the witch and witchcraft. Maybe they are. But that's a lot of fucking work, (laughs) y'all. That isn't easy. That means denying every baneful moment that you've ever had. That means to never resist even in self-defense. 
That means to lay yourself like a pretty little lamb down on a really nice stone altar and say, love and light, y'all. And to me, I mean, really, are there witches really doing that out there? I don't think so. I just don't think they're talking about when they pick up their sword. (laughs) Maybe they're keeping it more secretive. Somewhere between the rage of a witch with horns on her head, blasting through the woods, animals by her side, and the witch who's lying in a meadow with flowers and butterflies, seriously entrenched in the beauty of that day. Somewhere in between that is the real life of a witch. And so I don't think we're sanitizing the witch out of witchcraft. And I I don't think we're purporting that it never gets baneful or dark. I think that the people in the middle aren't talking, y'all. And we should. I think we should speak up because that is where the real life and the real bones of a witch reside. We are all of these things. And one does not eclipse the other. Somewhere between The Craft, that movie that every young witch has ever loved, and a Hallmark movie about the good witch, somewhere between that is the truth. And much like the great mother, to me, these are just different faces of the craft, different elements of her day, (laughs) because she is all one. And there is no getting around that if you're going to be balanced. There's no way. When I hear witches tell me that they're all love and light, either I feel very sad for them or I think they're lying. It's true. I mean, I've I've seen love and light witches want to end someone over a small slight. I always trust them less, to be honest with you. I will always trust them less because I feel like, why are you pretending? And what are you hiding behind of course, the other side I don't trust as much either, but at least we get <laughs> a little of the mess of a real life of a witch. Let me tell y'all a story. I am a big, bleeding heart. I really am. Anyone close to me, my students, my partner, my children will warn you I am a big, bleeding heart. I'm an Aries. I mean, that helps, right? I'm an Aries, and that does mean I will get very uh, righteous, and I I don't really like that side of myself very much. Very in your face if I think that you are mistreating something or someone. And I suppose it always looks like a love and light thing. And to complicate matters, y'all, I'm now a grandma. Grandmas are supposed to be squishy, cookie-smelling, yummy forces of nature. Now, imagine what happens if someone were to try to injure my witchling. Mm -hmm. Does that negate my yummy cookie smell? (laughs) Or my soft laugh? Or the stories I've told? Or my gentle hands? Does it negate it? Does it make it all not real? I have a crow that's losing their shit outside my window. Have something to say, don't they? You know, I don't think so. And I don't think so because I think that the yummy, comfy witch is able to be in existence at all at some point in the day because of the other side. 
That's the one who holds the door. Anyway, back to the story, which I never told, so I'm a lot of fun today. There was a time that I thought I would never tell this story. And uh, as I'm speaking it, as I begin, I'm staring at this candle and I'm thinking, ooh, this one's going to cost you. And yep, Jocelyn Bones will cost you. Am I going to tell it? Yeah. I think I'm going to fucking tell the story. I think it's time. Now, as all stories go, this one is from my perspective. Everyone else involved in the story has their own perspective and their own right to tell it. But that doesn't negate my voice or how I experienced it. Eleven years ago, a sweet little wild child of a thing landed in my yard. They had uh, found me out. and uh, wanted me to help handfast them to their girlfriend and um, because they couldn't get legally married at the time. And I spent some time speaking with her and assuring that it was real love. I don't handfast just because somebody asked me to. And I certainly won't handfast somebody just because they paid me to. So I do a little bit of ministerial work on that and assure that it is real love and that I'm not wasting my energy because I know how powerful these moments are and I know how hard they are to extricate yourselves from. Either way, I did do that work. I did do it. And somewhere along the way, this little girl, all elbows and knees, she was so tall and thin and had eyes like the ocean. Somewhere along the way, she asked me to be her teacher and I agreed Quite honestly, it would have been impossible for me not to have agreed, unless I didn't have a soul. Uh, She was quite effective in her pleas, and I began the hard work. And I treated her like I would have treated any other student, which means that I don't care how long you've been studying. I don't care who you think you are, so you've got extra sparkles on your ass. Got it. It doesn't matter. We're going through the foundations. And a witch worth their salt is not afraid to go through foundational work. Those foundations meant that this particular little witch, what should I call her? Let's call her Hazel. I like that. Let's call her Hazel. So Hazel wanted to play in the dark. That is where Hazel wanted to play. She had a very rough upbringing. She had very little love in her life and little to no foundation of any kind. And so I was very specific with her that she get those foundations. And it was very well intended on my part. But the, uh, the darkness within her, it ravaged everything around. There was no balance. There was never any balance. And um, at some point, about a year later, after a lot of cards had fallen in my own household. I mean, bless her heart, y'all. She was a tornado. She was a tornado. And, um, you know, my house shook. <laughs> it really did. And I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of that. They're protected. I took her aside several times and I, I asked her to please, you know, actually be guided by me if she wanted me to teach her. And she was not willing. I mean, I think she wanted me to teach her. She just didn't want foundations. 
She didn't want any balancing act. She didn't want any temperance. She just wanted to burn the world. And I understand that impulse. So when the witch who outed me to the dean of my university and ended my career by proxy, when that witch was very angry with me still, and we won't go through all the whines and wherefores of that, believe me, (laughs) I still have smoldering foundations out here. That's enough. I've suffered enough and so has my family. And hopefully never have to go to battle again, although I've learned quite a lot. But moving on, when I went through all of that with Hazel and uh, finally had to say, honey, I need for you to leave for a while. She was living here. You need to go and you need to find your own feet. And I'm going to be watching. And uh, that's the last thing I remember saying so clearly. I'm going to be watching. And I'm still here for you. Come back when you're ready. But because she had been thrown away so often in her young life, I believe she was 19 at this time, it came across, no matter how I couched it, as um, abandonment. And in her rage, in that flood of anger and hurt and pain, I mean, the wave just took her right over to that person who had done all of that to me. Now, I could be wrong, and I'm sure that that person would tell me that I'm wrong. But at the time, I believed that she was allowed to do nothing but play in the dark. And at a very heavy cost. And she did what she wanted to do at the end of the day. She burned everything down. She burned down that household. She burned down the one that she had an intercession on in between mine and that one. She burned down everything in her path. No, I love my dragon so much, but there was nothing I could do. I couldn't keep her caged. And I don't think anyone out there was willing to throw up bumpers, you know? Those ones that when you're like trying to bowl for the first time, just, just a few bumpers for all of that rage and pain. And so the end of that story is as heartbreaking as you can imagine. No one won. And I remember wanting to beg this other person who was at my time, I thought my nemesis, come on, like no one's going to win this. She's not going to be okay right now. And you know, (laughs) duck cover. (laughs) What are you doing? Anyway, all that was left was scorched earth. And I'm sure that the person that I've been talking about that I just call the person um, has moved on and has a new life, has risen out of those ashes. And so have I. But my baby is still out there burning. She never learned how to temper her own fire. And it's been a great pain in my life and my partners. We looked at her as like a child of ours, a part of our family, but there was nothing we could do. I see her face sometimes in the news and not in a good way, the local news. And I remember, I remember all the possibility and the potential and the feel of her long lanky fingers woven in mine. And I wish it had come out differently. I will always wish that there had been a different story for her. 
And so all of this is to say that while love and light and only walking in that can be extraordinarily destructive, we don't get any work done in that. I've always felt that we get work done in the dark. You know, when we're very ill and they put us into a forced coma, our bodies can heal. The deepness of water, the softness of a night woods, these are healing places. So no, I am not a love and light witch. Sometimes the light is just as destructive as the dark could ever be. And it lies to us often. It does. It lies. So I'm not that. But at the same time, I would never play in the underworld too long. Does that make any sense? Instead, I honor the cycles of the sun and the moon and the day and the light and the creepy crawlies of the woods. I have to be all of these things to be complete. And if I'm doing it right, I don't need a lot of intercession. So when I see questions on Facebook that say, are you a good witch or a bad witch? All I can think about were the way Hazel's eyes looked and the sun and how much, how badly I wanted her to learn how to balance between the worlds. And if there were divine intercession, I would have already begged for it to save her. But alas, I believe we have choice. Complete and utter free will. And the goddess I worship or revere, work with, I don't see as wholly outside of myself. I understand us all as an ecology of something larger. That whole binary system of, you know, above and under and black and white and dark and light and good and evil doesn't work for me. And I never will because I don't see that working in the woods. I don't see that working in nature. It's all part of a whole. I guess I'll save the rest of that for another time. Possibly my conversation with my student who has asked me, although she knows, but she's asked me to clarify my stance on deities, um, on worship, on goddesses and gods and things like that. So I will. Doesn't sound like fun, but I will. It's something I feel and something I live and something I haven't written down. So here we go on that one. I have to go and I have to thank my Patreons, but I don't think you listen to my podcast, Hazel, but I will always love you. And I'm still watching. I'm still waiting. I hope you find yourself, baby. All right, y'all. I want to thank my patrons over on Patreon. Y'all are keeping this on the air. That is not an understatement. (laughs) We could not ever afford to do this if it weren't for you. So, shout outs go to Trevor, Michelle, Emily, Sarah, and Christy. Love y'all. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and also just for keeping me on my toes sometimes with your questions. I, I love them. It started to rain here and I need to go feed the rabbits. So I'm out. Love y'all like chicken. Talk to you next week. Blessed be. And don't forget, 
We're made of all the colors, baby. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.